Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life here in Miami, Oklahoma. And I'm glad you've chosen today to listen to this, our podcast. I hope as you listen to this, you fall more in love with Jesus, and I also hope you fall more in love with His people. Enjoy this podcast today. A couple of days ago, I posted a video. Todd White, many of you joining in knows who that is. Um, just watch that and then mention this. So anyway, if you're watching this live, go back and watch that after this. So we're starting a series today called Following. Um, and we're going to look at counting the cost. And the only way I know to address this effectively is to look at those that um, followed. So... Uh, if you have your Bibles or not, that's okay. We'll get a lot of scripture on the screen. I don't have the first few scriptures up there, okay? So just leave that title slide up. Um, we're going to look at calling of several of the disciples. If you have and can go to Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32, we're going to look at when Jesus calls Levi, um, the tax collector. Verse 27 says, After this, he being Jesus went out and saw a tax collector excuse me, named Levi, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And verse 28 blows my mind. And he says, and it says here, and leaving everything. I wonder, us as believers, because that's what we are. I know who's in the room. There's not very many of us today. Um, Have we left everything? I even could sit up here or stand up here and try to brag a little bit and say, well, we moved away from northwest Arkansas. We left everything and friends and family and came over here. But really, we've got a beautiful home and we've already met some fabulous friends and we um, great relationships here. And uh, we're, in all practical purposes, thriving here. I don't know if we've left everything um, He left everything. It says, and he rose and he followed him. Have we seen Jesus in the light? That if he walked into this room and came up to us and he said, follow me. Would we immediately follow him? Have we seen Jesus? Have we had a revelation of who he is in that kind of a light? Uh, we we sat in here and, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we sang songs and, I think we had a very, very sweet moment in His presence today. But did we truly have a revelation of Him enough that we would leave everything? And I'm going to talk this morning about leaving Him. Verse 29 says, And Levi made him, Jesus, made made Jesus a great feast in his house. I love it. Biblical precedence for what we do as a church. They ate, they had a great feast, not just a small sandwich, right? Not just a little bitty piece of fruit, but a great feast. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at the disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? I think it's interesting. Why aren't you hanging out with righteous people? Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need for a physician you see who t- 
Todd was hanging out with, those who are, but those who are sick. Verse 32, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Who are we spending our time with? Who are we seeking out? It's the first account that I wanted to bring to our light today. Then we've got in Mark's account of calling Peter and Andrew, James and John, it says, passing along in verse 16 of Mark chapter 1, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, Simon and Andrew, the brothers of, the brother, uh, back up, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them again, follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. Before I read this next line, what's really interesting is this is Mark chapter 1. This is the first chapter of Mark. This isn't Mark later. This isn't after Jesus has healed blind people or fed thousands of people. This isn't after Jesus has raised Lazarus. This isn't even after Jesus has turned water into wine. This isn't after Jesus has made a name for himself. This is a man walking down the pathway along the river, along the lake, whatever the body of water is, the sea of Galilee. This isn't uh, this anyone but a man and he walks up to two men in a boat casting their nets into the water and he walks up and he says follow me I wonder what these men saw that day in this man Jesus that in verse 18 it says they immediately left their nets and followed him I wonder what people would see in us if we walked up to them. Would they immediately see that Jesus has been captivated by us or we have been captivated by Jesus? Would they immediately see that we have been transformed by the transforming power of Jesus in our lives? Would they see that we have been in the presence of God? I wonder what they saw that day that they would immediately, going on a little farther, Further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. They were also in their boats. They were mending nets. Immediately, he called them, and not only did they leave their boat, it says they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with hired servants, and they followed him. Wonder at that moment if they knew what they would be following I wonder if that moment that they realized that they would be insulted, ridiculed, that they would find themselves sleeping out in the open air, oftentimes hungry, that they would have to walk miles upon miles. I wonder if they realized that they would, with their own hands, heal the sick. I wonder if they realized in that moment that they would be beaten even unto death, many of them. I wonder if they knew even in their hunger they would still feed thousands. I wonder if they realized in that moment that there would be moments they would be scared to death. I wonder if Simon Peter knew in that moment he would walk on water. I wonder if many of them knew that they would be martyred for their faith in this man they knew nothing about, but found themselves leaving everything to follow. I wonder if they knew in this moment that the man that they would spend the next three years walking alongside would literally change the world 
that two plus thousand years later we would be talking about today. I wonder if they knew that this man they would watch hang on a cross. I wonder if they knew that they would see this man resurrect from the dead. I wonder if they knew that they would sit in an upper room and see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I doubt they knew any of that. But what they did know is they saw love in the purest form. There was no testimony. There was no witness. There was pure love. I wonder if we couldn't experience in our own lives a walk with that kind of love. I want to talk this morning in following Jesus about ten observations about counting the costs. Some things that maybe the disciples didn't know in the moment, but I'm sure they knew in the end that was worth doing. Counting the costs. Now this is full of love. This is why we do it. When we find ourselves desperately in love with Jesus, these things that I'm going to lay out before us really have no cost to them whatsoever. They're more of a delight. First one of our ten observations in counting the cost, we must be willing to obey and submit. John 14, 15 through 23 says, Jesus saying this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give me another helper. Thank you for the other helper, the Holy Spirit. He will be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. It will not leave you as orphans. It will not come. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world, yet, sorry, a little while in the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am the Father, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, How is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Great promises. Great, great promises. Great, great encouragement with obedience and submission. Number two, counting the cost. Maybe the hardest one here. Be prepared to endure hardship. It's not a walk in the park and following Jesus. But I have a feeling when we have a revelation of His love for us, when we walk and abide in the love that He has for us, hardship will pale in comparison to the goodness that He is. That eternity will be our focus, not the temporal. Luke 21.12 says, But before All this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, deliver you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. I think the 
parable of the sower, which we, we recently learned that the parables have so much to do with the kingdom of God. The parables are a direct description of living in the kingdom of God. And it says in Mark 13, 18 through 21, here, is that up there? Is it running slow, baby? It says, here then the parable of the sower, Mark 13, verse 18, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom... And does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what the sown, what it was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulations or persecutions arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for the one who is sown among thorns... Back up just a minute. Did you see what 21 said? Did 21 make it up there? Back up to 21, baby. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when? Do you see that word, and when? There's no possibly. There's no and if. It says, and when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the world, immediately he falls away. You see that uh, when tribulation, tribulation and persecution will arise because of the world that we live in. Second Timothy 3.12, we'll skip a few scriptures there. Indeed, all who desire to live godly, live a godly life in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. Second Timothy 4.5, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure what? Suffering. Do the work of an evangelism. Evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Second Corinthians 4.17, for this light... Momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Point number three. This one's hard too. Be ready to see the ugliness of your sin. Walking with Jesus means seeing the sin he reveals, confronting it, but asking for forgiveness. The nice thing is he's faithful and just. He will forgive our sins. Amen. Amen, right? He doesn't hold them over us. He doesn't mess with us. He doesn't remind us. The Bible says when it comes to our sins, when we ask for forgiveness, he throws them as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. And then we've got the promise from Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for who? Those in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but how? According to the Spirit. Go on to the next. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it has set me free, hallelujah, from the law of sin of death, of sin, of sin and death, for the law being powerless in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and concerning sin condemned sin in the flesh. So that the righteous demand of the law might be fulfilled in us. Those walking according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And then 1 John 5 and 10. And this is the message which we have heard from Him. And we proclaim it to you. God is light and no darkness is in Him. None. There's no darkness in God whatsoever. If we say that we have fellowship in Him, we walk in darkness. We lie and we are not practicing truth. But if we walk in the light... And he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. It cleanses us from some of our sin. No. 
all of our sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, however, he is faithful and righteous that we may or that he may forgive us the sins and may cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word in us his word is not in us. I love that even though we may sin, he's going to forgive us. And the closer we get to the light, the more that is revealed within us, and the more he's just going to forgive us of it. And then James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Say hallelujah. Point number four. Point number four. The world will not always accept you. This is counting the cost. You realize the world will not always accept you. Look at this scripture. John 15, 18, and 19. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world will love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Next point. Be willing to step outside your comfort zone. This is cool. I love this scripture. Micah, give me some Old Testament in here today. Micah 6 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? This is what's good and this is what he requires of you. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Now, when I think of those three things, I think that's walking outside my comfort zone. I think that describes the video that we watched just a little bit ago. Did that look very comfortable? (laughs) No. Do you think that's what God wants of us? Are we called to be exactly like that? No, we're called to be ourselves. But are we called to show the love of Jesus to the world we're around? Absolutely. Is that comfortable? No way. Luke 21, 12 through 15 says, "But But before all this... They will lay their hands on you and persecute you, deliver you up to the synagogues and prisons that you will be brought before kings and governors for my my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate before how you will answer. For I will, this is a great promise if we're going to live outside our comfort zones. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. Number six, prepare to be held accountable. Yikes. Romans 14, 7 through 12 says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Why do you despise your brother? For we are all, for we will all stand before judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. We're held accountable. Here's the solution to the concerns, because I know we all have concerns, maybe fears. What if I don't do good enough? What if I don't live up to all of this? What if I fail? The great promise in all of this is if we live and strive to love him more, all of this just naturally falls into place. Number seven, in counting the cost, is we've just simply got to accept his word. 
and accepting his word. We've got to trust that. We've got to trust what he says. We've got to recognize this from Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's got a bigger, better way. Sometimes we think, man, my way would be so much easier. There's a speaker behind me. And his way is so much more powerful. So much better. He has our best interests in mind. Number eight. This is hard for us to understand here in the United States because in general, we're not persecuted for our beliefs because our beliefs have been pretty, I hate to say it, shallow. It's easy. Accept it, right? I'm a Christian. Oh, that's good for you. We don't, we're not so outgoing but what if we were in the Middle East? We decided to follow Jesus. Point number eight, got to leave things behind. Leave things behind. Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, a lot of scripture here. It says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futile futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understandings, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of hearts. They have become callous and they have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, and practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, so what you do, you put off your old self which belongs to the former manner of life that is corrupt through the deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. We are members of one another. Be angry, be angry but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but... Rather, let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but such, but only such as is good for building up, as fit for the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Some descriptions there of walking away, stepping away, stepping away from your former self. Great things here. Great description of leaving things behind. The Bible says that when we are new in Christ, we leave the old self. We are new creation in Christ. Jesus. The things that we once did, now that we're in Christ, we no longer do. The, the words that we said, we no longer say. The actions that we carried out, we no longer carry out. Sometimes we even have to leave friends and associations behind. I like this. Expect to be humbled. Don't just be humble, but be humbled. Philippians 2, 3 through 11 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, humility count others 
more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only in his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Having this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I love this, Second Corinthians eleven three. If I must boast, I will boast in the things that show my weakness. <laughs> what do you do with that? If I'm going to boast, I'm going to talk about the things that I'm weak in. And the last one. This is going to set the stage for next week. This is would set the stage if I wanted to save that video for last. And counting the cost. Point number 10, prepare to love. You see, we love in action, not in feeling. If we waited till we felt like loving someone, there'd be a lot of people that we need to love that we would never love. I'll tell a story next week about Hallie. Hallie was a woman that, well, at the time, a girl that I went to school with, high school with an interesting story to talk about how her life was transformed. John 13, 34 through 35 says, A new commandment that I give you. This is a commandment that you love one another just as I loved you. Let that sink in for just a minute. We are to love just as he loved us. Think about that. We are to love We are to love just as he loved us. Just as. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. (laughs) Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If it has blessed you, please click the subscribe, leave some feedback. Uh, Should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern Oklahoma, feel free to go to our website, WLMiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. Click on the Give tab, and it'll walk you through some steps right there. God bless you, and until next time.